everybody. This is Gabe Estel. Welcome to Rock and Roll Shinsu Chu. I'm here with my co-hosts, Dennis Levi Leach and Jonathan Getz. How's it going, guys? Amazing. Hey, hey all right. <laughs> right on. Well, I'd like to welcome everybody to episode 101, or I guess 100.2, I guess, if you want to call it that. Um, <laughs> our last episode was proudly our 100th episode where we are celebrating um, aspects of baseball and 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 music uh, that we appreciate. So that we love, tonight, yeah, that we love. That we're, we're so we're going to get into that. Um, some of some of it's nostalgic. Some of it is kind of commentary on the current state of the game or the music scene, um, and just things that we uh, that we cherish and um, respect and admire. And, um, yeah, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, uh, who wants to kick us off tonight? I'll start. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, my, uh, my next item, uh, is, and I guess this is item number 90, I think, <laughs> in our list. We got really uh, far, uh, last time. <laughs> is, uh, the, uh, a concert I attended. Uh, this was back in 2002. And uh, this is the middle of uh, my days at Iowa State University. And uh, so as a result, it was kind of my jam band heyday. Uh, I, w- I was very much uh, 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 wrapped up in Government Mule and Widespread Panic, etc. But uh, I, uh, I made a road trip uh, with uh, my then-girlfriend, now-wife, Betsy, uh, down to uh, Lawrence, Kansas, uh, for a special show of Beck and the Flaming Lips. And uh, at that time, uh, you know, I, I had been a, a huge Beck connoisseur for his entire career. And uh, uh, the Flaming Lips, admittedly, I was, I was really only familiar uh, with their most recent album, which was Yoshimi uh, at the time. And uh, so to jump out of this uh, kind of uh, uh, ragged, no-frills jam band live uh, uh, music performance setting and into uh, Beck and the Flaming Lips was a very formative experience at the Lead Center outside of Lawrence. And uh, it, was, it was just the, the weirdness of the Flaming Lips and like the artistry of Beck just flipped this switch in me that uh, uh, started an expansion of musical horizons. And, you know, th- th- there, there was a showmanship to it um, from both Wayne Coyne of the Flaming Lips and Beck that, uh, you know, I, I just wasn't used to seeing in a lot of the live concerts I had attended up to that point. I mean, there was almost a choreography to it. And, and then, of course, you know... Uh, the flaming lips do their thing, their over the top thing, and then you know Beck is doing his 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 dancing, etc. And it was uh, it, it just kind of like I said, it broke down these barriers for what I thought um, was cool to do on stage. That that it didn't just have to be you know like looking down at your guitar and shredding or whatever. And uh, it was uh, you know something I would I would never forget. It was it was. Uh, in my opinion, probably uh, peak Beck uh, in terms of his his catalog. Uh, the the mix that night was was wonderfully distributed across uh, uh, the album he was touring on was Sea Change. Uh, also, Odile was well represented. Uh, Midnight Vultures, Mutations, uh, obviously Mellow Gold, and just the way he was able to move back and forth through all of those albums, and even doing things like covering. Uh, the Flaming Lips, Do You Realize, which I believe it was the second time we had heard it that night because the Flaming Lips also played it when they opened for him. Uh, the Flaming Lips were his backing band, I should have mentioned, during right, that right. tour. And uh, so to, to hit it again, uh, you know, to play that song again, which is probably one of the most popular songs in the country at the time, oddly enough, uh, was uh, also broke down more barriers to say, you know, there are no rules. Uh, it's okay to play a song twice in one night. And uh, uh, it was uh, it was one of the best concerts I've ever seen, and uh, we'll never forget. Sounds like a little bit of a turning point too, in terms of what you appreciate out of a live performance as well. Oh, undoubtedly, undoubtedly. Right. Right. It also made me appreciate the front row of the balcony, 
um, wow. which uh, I yeah I realized is a uh, is a choice uh, uh, seat because uh, my wife can undoubtedly see and uh, <laughs> uh, and you can sit when you want to sit and stand when you want to stand so nice. there you have it it's the only time I've ever been to the lead center uh, that's it nice my uh, my wife went to that same tour but in Chicago. Oh, nice. Where, what, do yeah. you know uh, what venue is that in Chicago? Uh, I want to say the Chicago Theater, but sure. I'm not entirely sure about that. Yeah, it can be easily verified somewhere, but um, yeah, I think so. Did you guys have any concerts that kind of changed you uh, in, in your musical appreciations in one format or another? Um, hmm. Gosh, that's a good question. I can see the little um, thought bubbles above your heads. Yeah. Hmm. Slowly building. Yeah, I got the <laughs> the emoji with the, the hand on its um, <laughs> chin right there. Yeah, it just appeared over my face. Um, You know, I, I guess I, in 2006, I saw Marty Stewart, mm-hmm. um, and actually... The first time I saw Marty Stewart was with Levi in 1992 at Whoa. the Sangamon County Fair. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That was like one of the first concerts I ever attended, dude. Yeah. That, I, I could like where, where like parents were not right next to us the entire time. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah, where like Sangamon it felt like we were on our own, basically. <clears throat> I was like in seventh grade. You would have been like in fifth grade, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um. And then, and I, at the time, you know, like, uh, 1992, I was like, oh, uh, I was, like, really into, like, Belle Biv DeVoe, you know? So, like, I wasn't really feeling Marty Stewart. I mean, don't get me wrong, I enjoyed myself, and it was fun to hang out with Levi, but... Um, but, yeah, I saw him in 06 uh, at a place called The Bottle and Cork, which is a really cool venue that's had some good artists pass through over the years. Um, I assume it's still there. It's in Dewey Beach, Delaware, which is, um, obviously, a Delaware beach town. And, um, yeah, it's, it's outside and it's kind of like basically sort of like a, like a warehouse with like a wall missing, you know what I mean? Like it's, um, it's got like a, how to describe it? It's, it's kind of like a hangar sort of as well, uh, like an airplane hangar. Uh, and it's, uh, I saw Marty Stewart there and I got to meet him and, uh, it was just cool. Like, I was like, oh, you know, like. I had started listening to some country music, you know, but that like really um, opened me up to it again, you know, reintroduced it, I should yeah. say. Sure. Um, if I had to say one, I mean, it wasn't necessarily that like I never really wasn't open to it or like it turned me on to a new style. But like when I saw the police at Bonnaroo, oh. I was VIP. So it was like... We were front row, and so I had never seen, like, an arena-type, like, stadium band that close, and it just blew me away how good of a band they actually were, like, musicians and stuff. Like, I mean, they could just play, like, radio hits all night long, but, like, they could also all really play their instruments really well, too. It's a different perspective being up close like that. Uh, I mean, obviously, but you know, it, I know what you mean. I've uh, I've only been privy to that a couple times, and it it is something to behold. Yeah, it, it was pretty magical. You know, like you know, the, the start of the night, Sting is in you know his like cotton shirt and hemp pants or whatever. Right. And then by like the end of the night, like he had his like shirt ripped off and was like running around stage, <laughs> and, like. It was it was just really good. They they turned me on to like, I guess appreciating bigger bands like that because like a lot of times you know as people who are into music a lot you can sometimes slag off big bands like that to where you're like oh I, you know yeah you take it for granted it's the, yeah, yeah you take it totally for granted because it's just all you you just hear their songs on the radio and yeah. so you're just like oh you know whatever. Right. But when you actually get to see it that close and experience it, it I was like, man, I really like the police. <laughs> right on. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. Sweet. Oh, is it my turn? Yeah, or, uh, sure. Okay. If you cool. want it to be. Um, I'm going to go to baseball right now. Um, 
John Olerud. All right, I, I've always liked the helmet. Um, yeah, I've, I've, that's 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 all I got. I always liked the helmet, John Olerud. Yeah. Oh, dude, that, also, it was classic. Like every card, it seemed like they would try to make sure it was a shot of him with the helmet. Yeah, he had like a brain aneurysm, like in like the eighties, and he Is just that kept what it, it was. Yeah, he just kept it on for superstition, like superstitious purposes. You know, really, and he yeah, because. Yeah, yeah, that a brain aneurysm can't be affected by taking a, a a ball to the head or anything, right? Right, right. But like he he um yeah, he just he kept it on and He was one of the last players to to be able to do it. Like they the like t- grandfathered him in or whatever. Yeah, for like for quite a while he was he, I mean, I think most of his career he was the only guy fielding with a bat yeah. on. Levi, are you saying that they made it against the rules? I believe that. so now. Yeah, oh, really? I believe I okay. believe you can't wear a batting helmet, and it wasn't just a batting helmet. It, he he had the old school catcher's batting helmet almost. Where yeah, it was right, like, yeah. no oh, ear totally. flaps, Gary Carter style. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, uh, so, but obviously now they have, or I shouldn't say obviously, but they they have made those pitch those hats for pitchers that have extra padding. I've seen uh, those in, yeah. in them, but those it's, it's far from a batting helmet or a yeah. pitcher's helmet. Those um, things that the pitchers wear are weird. I, I mean, don't get me wrong, just aesthetically. They're, oh, they're yeah, yeah, it's very strange. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're they're huge. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm going to get his starting lineup after we're done recording tonight. Yeah. I'm going to order it. Yeah. I found it cheap. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, man, I've always just liked that the dude wore a batting helmet it's out in the yeah, field. Yeah, it would always come up. Like every time you stumbled upon his card, you would be like, yeah. oh, he's, he's got oh, his yeah. batting helmet on. There and you would like have to like explain to your sister why he has a batting helmet yeah. on or something. Yeah. It was reliable. All right. It was, right. it was, right. it was something that was guaranteed. So, yeah, yeah. Th- that's, that's oh, yeah. a good one because it was just, yeah, it was almost one of those things that you haven't thought about in a long, it's one of those things that you don't think about in a long time. And, and when you do, you're like, man, that was like a big part of my life when I was 11 years old. The fact that John Olerud wore a helmet. <laughs> I thought about that stuff cool. quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I'm going to take it back to the baseball too, man. I uh, I was going to mention that uh, one of the things that was basically a, every game, uh, I went to lots of games at Wrigley Field, and I know they probably had it at Bush Stadium in some form or in, in most stadiums across the MLB. But it was these little rock-hard frozen chocolate dessert cups you would get. Uh, The guys would be, like, selling them out of, like, the cooler, walking up and down the aisles. Mm -hmm. And, like, some places they would be called, like, a chocolate malt. Or some places it would be, like, chocolate ice milk. (laughs) Yeah. You always do when you were getting a chocolate ice milk, it was like lower quality product. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. They couldn't afford the malt but, licensing. But the greatest thing was like you would get a wooden stick to eat it with because you're at a ball, a ball game, you know. Like a strip test flat, stick. Flat yeah, wooden stick. It was stick. just completely yeah. flat, like a wooden stick shaped like yeah. a small boat paddle. It was yeah. a very ineffective spoon, all right? <laughs> oh, yeah, it really yeah, was. Because, yeah. I mean, you know, most of the time they would break or it would just, you would try not to get splinters on the end of your tongue because, like, the edges of them were never sanded. <laughs> Well, that's why they gave you two sides to work with. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you would have to wait like an inning for it to melt some to like then like scrape around and try to. You gotta work you gotta work the the perimeter. It was yeah, it was a complete pain in the ass, but it was literally the first thing I asked for every time we got to a baseball game. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a solid treat because it lasts a while. It does. Yeah. Um and it stays cold. Um (laughs) So I've, it's a smart move. I've seen yeah. in some more recent games, like a lemon ice that they sell sometimes at Misty it, Park. Yeah, that's like the trendy thing that has replaced it. Right. So yeah, it it, it still it is uh, it is reemerged in a different form, but um, that sounds kind of paradoxical. Sorry, um, but <laughs> reemerged in a different form. Anyway, sorry. It's a uh, reboot. Yes, yes. Uh, only completely different. Um, but yeah, I, I I enjoyed those as well, Levi. They were they were they were always a treat. Uh, I didn't to, get them outside of baseball games, really. 
No, yeah, I, they got like quickly replaced by the little helmets of ice cream that is pretty much the staple at most ballparks if they have ice cream now. Or sure. if they have ice cream, it's like a frozen yogurt bar where you can like put whatever yeah. on it. Right. We had, um, I would always get a chocolate <laughs> malt at the Elks Club in Springfield, Illinois. Nice. Uh, so whenever I think of a chocolate malt, I think of the Elks Club because my grandpa was an elk. Nice. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, but uh, in terms of like stadium treats, uh, the all-time classic moment is Gabe when you and I went to Old, old County Stadium, mm-hmm. uh, uh, not but a year or two probably before it closed in the early nineties, and uh, we yeah, sat next to I think ninety four. Yeah, we sat yeah. next to a guy. We walked up, got tickets, sat in, ended up sitting next to a guy with a five-gallon bucket of, of, of peanuts. And he's You're like, right. dig in, boys. <laughs> We're like, right on. <laughs> yeah. Never mind any sanitary um, <laughs> lack of Bring sanitary. your own bucket, Yeah, yeah right. Like, just hold your T-shirt up like a little bucket and I'll fill your shirt. Right. <laughs> Those were the days where you could bring a bucket of peanuts into a game. Oh, yeah. That's when America yeah. was America. That's right. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, let's see, is it my turn then, I guess? No, no. no I got, I, it's my turn already. Oh, okay. All right. Man. All right. So um, I, I'm going to flip back over to music now. And uh, uh, so this is uh, the 89, 80, 87, number 87 favorite thing. Uh, about uh, music or rock and roll, rock and roll or baseball is uh, my favorite record store. Uh, uh, with all due respect to my old favorite record stores, um, it is also from Lawrence, Kansas. It is a Love Garden Sounds. It's the name of the record store, and uh, uh, it is uh, right on the strip, uh, uh, Mass Street in Lawrence. And I I managed to make it there. I, every time I visit Lawrence, I'll stop in just to make sure there's not anything I need. And uh, y- y- you walk through and uh, Love Garden, and, and you have to be careful when you open the door, at least more so <coughs> back in the day you did, not as much now, but you have to make sure you don't let out any cats because they have cats, <laughs> and that's awesome. And uh, we're very cat-conscious people, so we, we we're very careful about that. And... Um, and then uh, you uh, you get hit in the face by both uh, the new arrival section and uh, some uh, house music not not house music but but music that they're playing uh, that is usually just like a little piercing and out of your comfort zone <laughs> and like a little dissonant and it, it kind of keeps you on your toes and uh, uh, but but that's fine that's fine and. Uh, so, and in, in you have to flip through all of the new arrivals that are there right right when you walk in. Both uh, the, the, the new arrivals, the new new arrivals uh, are to your left, and then the new used arrivals are to your right. And uh, uh, if I have like an hour, I'll go through every CD in both cases. And uh, 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 cats are usually lounging in the metal, were uh, usually lounged in the metal section. So it would be just like this, this, uh, this strip of CDs and, and the, and the, and the, Cat would just be strewn all the way across it, and uh, <laughs> cats really dig merciful fade, huh? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, you were invariably going to find you know two or three things you had to have, and uh, still do. And uh, you know, it's 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 got you know an owner who like he lets me borrow used gear before I buy it or something like that, or, or he'll go upstairs to find a CD for me that he knows I'll like that isn't necessarily out on the floor, but it's, it's just kind of a, uh, uh, an obscure little deal. And, uh, you know, it's, it, and I always, we always make a trip on new year's, new year's day because they're like never closed. <laughs> uh, uh, the, and maybe like, maybe for a couple hours on Christmas, they're closed. Um, but, uh, uh, so we always go on New Year's Day, and uh, uh, I stock up on albums to help get me through the winter. And mm-hmm. it's a uh, it's always a treat, and uh, I can't encourage it highly enough. Uh, Love Garden Sounds, Lawrence, Sweet. Kansas. Sweet. Good deal. It's your second Lawrence reference tonight. I know, right? Right. Jeez. LFK in this, the house. Yeah. <laughs> you got 
you got a you got Danny Manning crashing at your crib tonight or something. <laughs> Jeez. All right. Anyway, um, good stuff. So now you guys got me going down a King Diamond Wikipedia rabbit hole. And I brought up the I brought up the Merciful Fate. And I got. I'm going to have dreams about Danny Manning sitting in with King Diamond tonight, all right? <laughs> anyway, um, so my next one is pretty simple, baseball one. It doesn't really need much explanation because it's all visual. Um, obviously, I love baseball reference, as I know you guys do, too. Um, Baseballreference.com. Yes, dash, baseball-reference.com. Um, it's my favorite thing, uh, one of them. And... Should you define it for our listeners who might not be familiar? Yeah, yeah, it's it's um, it's basically a a Wikipedia for baseball, um, but it's it's all stats essentially, um, and it's just really well organized and and extensive, and it, it lists things that like you always wanted to know, like salaries as well. Just it puts it all in one place. But specifically, what I'm thankful for is the uniform number bubbles. <laughs> I wouldn't like the site as much because I can go to other sites and get the stats. You know, like it, they're it's not as enjoyable. But like you know, ESPN.com and MLB.com and Yahoo Sports—they've all got the stats, right? You can get the stats in hundreds of places. But the fact that they have those bubbles with the uniform that shows what uniform the player had when he played on that team. That makes the site to me. So, right. it, is, to <laughs> it is pretty good because you'll, you'll be on there and you see a guy like, oh, this guy wore nine for like the first three teams. And then right. for, uh, then he yeah. uh, had to change numbers when he went to another team. And then like, as soon as he had another chance, he wore that old number again. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. right. Yeah, you'll see. Yeah, you can you, you see the storyline, you know, just played out in the numbers like that. Or like somebody like you, you could tell, like it was like a more well-known player who had a number most of his career. But like he was a September call up. So he had to wear like 74, you know, right. for like one right. month. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that they even tweak the do they don't they tweak the colors of the numbers? Oh yeah. Um, based on uh, the, the the year, say if if a team had a different color scheme, like the mid nineties oh, Astros yeah. versus yeah. today's Astros, like it'll still reflect that. those colors when they wore the uniform. Yeah, they'll have that yeah. ugly ass like Diamondbacks purple and green. You yeah. know, like yeah, yeah they'll yeah. they'll do it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. bravo, the guys behind all those sites, people behind all those sites know what they're doing. You know, they they made the site I, I, I wanted, you know, when the internet first emerged. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I like how they haven't changed the design much. And, no, and as a web no. designer and developer, that's uh, kind of a unique statement. But, but it's very no frills. It's like, how do we get this information to you as efficiently as possible? Yep. And uh, it's, it's admirable that they've stuck to their guns yeah. uh, with it. Absolutely, um, yeah. It doesn't need to be have a bunch of flash, you know. What, what literally my, and figuratively. What? What? One of my favorite features is the transactions page for each player to oh, yeah, see yeah. how how they navigated through their career and maybe who is that guy that like uh, uh, who did a guy get traded for is always my favorite. Right. Like, right. Because uh, then you can go down a rabbit hole to see like, oh wow, there's a guy on the Tigers today who is only, like, three trades removed from Jack Morris or something. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah, it's, 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 been, it's been terrible for my productivity. Let's put it that way. Baseball <laughs> reference. Right? Just like, you know, King Diamond's Wikipedia page. Right? <laughs> but um, I'm like, oh, I want to know the history of Roadrunner Records now. You know? Like, blah, blah, blah. So... <laughs> Or yeah. John Olerud's baseball reference page, right? Yeah. Right. So, so yeah. John Olerud, I'm guessing. What do, what do you think it was? Like a uh, like a three ten career hitter? Uh, I just looked it up a minute ago. You're 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 aiming you're aiming high, but he was am good. I too high? He, he does have a good career average. Yeah, is it above three hundred? Uh, no, it's like two ninety five. Ah, oh, damn. Yeah, he put together a good career, dude. He he solid. did hit like he hit like three sixty one year, right? Yeah. 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 
Yeah. Uh, for the Blue Jays or the Mets? For the Blue Jays, 93. He was a beast in 93. World Series team. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Good for Johnny. We should have had yeah. Johnny on tonight. Yeah. So, cool. Baseballreference.com. My, yeah. uh... My next one is going to be, um, it was a show that was on CMT, and I, I'm trying to remember the years. It was like early 2000s, I believe, and it was called um, CMT's Wide Open Country was the name of the show. Mm-hmm. And it would be on like later in the evening, usually like 9, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, and they would play like... BR549 and like Steve Earle and like I want to say I saw like a Sunvolt video on there before Whoa. and um it cool. was this really and like so like CMT and TNN were like always on in my house in one oh, way yeah. or another back when my parents were still married it was like my dad constantly was like he had his finger on the pulse of of the Nashville he was he was watching that little Muppet Shotgun Red, dude. Do you remember that <laughs> yeah, little fucker? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ralph Avery and Shotgun Red, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So if well, you don't know what we're talking about, just just Google that. All right, all right. Google, I will. The, Google the Shotgun Red Muppet that that hosted a show. <laughs> On TNN. Yeah, Ralph Emery was like a celebrated like radio and TV host for like years. And then in the 80s, they paired him up with this puppet. I'm sure at that point, he's like, oh, great. I got to have a fucking puppet sidekick. Oh, Steve Hall and Shotgun Red. Yeah. 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 That that was the puppeteer, I believe. I recognize this guy. Yeah, it was that guy was on the TNN uh, Nashville network all the time. (laughs) <laughs> yeah but that's cool dude cmt wide open wide country, open country. Yeah. i vaguely remember you know the font you know um yeah, huh, yeah cool. it, it was uh it was just really neat it was like one of the only ways i had access to like that kind of music really. sure you know what i mean at that time yeah yeah that so, was that was not um pretty forward thinking of them to, to do that i guess kind of like what MTV would show around that time? What was it? 120 minutes or? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. sure, yeah, yeah. Just it was to like get 120 minutes for CMT. Yeah, yeah, some of the more indie stuff out there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Admirable. All right. Uh, moving on. Uh, just uh, lastly, uh, on that point, sorry. Yeah. Um, shall we say that CMT's Sunbolt was MTV's? 120 minutes, my bloody Valentine. You know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, hold on. Uh, uh, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna switch over to uh, baseball now, and uh, mine uh, actually, Levi, you'll identify with this, I'm sure. Uh, is uh, my next one is favorite thing listening to Cubs games on the radio. Uh, <laughs> when when I. And this is probably just uh, uh, a, a little, um, uh, a little bit less of a nostalgic memory for me than uh, watching Cubs games on TV. But uh, listening to Cubs games on the radio when I was uh, working uh, construction uh, uh, by myself, I would, I would, uh, I, my dad has a construction company in Springfield, and and I would. I would work in the yard, which means I was like just out there by myself, like repairing things, like repairing concrete forms and such. Uh, so uh, I, I would have a transistor radio just blaring through the yard, and I would just throw it in a wheelbarrow. And uh, and Pat Hughes and Ron Santo would would ride along with me as I as I made my my rounds around the yard and 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 repaired things and moved things from one bend to another or whatever and mm-hmm. and uh, so this is when I was like from like sixteen to eighteen and nineteen and uh, the, the the Sammy Sosa and Kerry Wood and Mickey Morandini and and and, and Mark oh, yeah. Clark um, and just the act of you know, I I wasn't necessarily a Cubs like a, a an ardent Cubs fan. I would root for them when I listened to them, but like I my heart didn't hang on it like I'm sure it, yours does. Right. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> but I would still be uh, I, I would still be taken up in it. And uh, but just like zoning out, sweating away, and 
Um, and then I, I would go stick my head in the in the ice block cooler during the seventh inning stretch, and and uh, I mean they were really hellish days because they were very very hot in the summer. And uh, but looking back at them, uh, I I recall them fondly. And uh, uh, you know just hearing you know Pat Hughes' voice or you know the late Ron Santos is uh, really takes me back to that time and kind of I, I can get a sunburn just 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 hearing those voices. <laughs> so yeah, Cubs games on the radio in the summer. Nice, that classic for sure. Sweet. Oh, is it my turn or yes? No, is yes. it okay? Yeah. Um, well, Levi was talking earlier about um, he got to see some bands, bigger bands, up close. And this is on a similar note. Um, on a handful, well, come to think of it only twice, but one time was really special. And it was probably, it's certainly in my top five concerts if I ever made such a list. Um Seeing an arena artist play a smaller venue is something that's really cool, you know, and special. Um, and I, in 2003, at the Vic in Chicago, which, for those listeners who haven't been there, it's, um, you know, it's probably about, I don't know, maybe 1,500 people, 2,000. The balcony's small, and the floor's pretty small, too. Um, uh, I got to see Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers there. Mm-hmm. Which was uh, it was it was amazing. It was I don't like to use the word amazing, but it it, it was amazing. Um, <laughs> it was great too because I was I was right on the best spot too of the Vic. Like they've got that railing that like there's the floor, and then you walk up a step or two, and there's another floor mm-hmm. and a railing, and then the bars like a, a few feet behind that. I was right on that railing, like dead center. So it was like best best spot in the house. Sweet. It couldn't get any better, you know. And they they played a, um, for Petty and the Heartbreakers, kind of an atypical set list, you know. Like they played some covers and some deeper cuts. They did like Stranger in the Night, uh, which is awesome. You're not going to hear that, you know, on most Petty mm-hmm. tours. Um, you know, and for a radio song, um, it was still powerful to hear like the crowd sang learning to fly acapella um it was just it was it was it was something else so uh yeah to see to see petty and the heartbreakers um i had just seen them a few months before at riverport <laughs> and then to see them you know a few months later at uh at a place like the vic it was really something they did they did like a a five or six night residency at the vic so i was fortunate that to go to one of those awesome. Yeah, I just snag a ticket. I imagine they were in high demand. They were in high demand, yeah. Um, you know, in 2003, like, the face on them was still only, like, 40 or 50 bucks. Those were the days, man. Yeah, right, <laughs> huh? Um, even though that was, like, 16 years ago. Um, yeah, it, uh, I, don't, I, I, th- I think I just got lucky, you know? I just got lucky online. There wasn't anything special, you know? It just, I got online at the right time. Yeah, I guess it helps if if all five or six shows were on sale at the same time. It would help alleviate a lot of that push. Right, right. I think yeah. I was still living in Macomb and then came up to Chicago. Uh, it's, nice. Yeah, I had I hadn't moved to Chicago yet. So um, it's funny you mentioned where you were at at the at the venue because that's where I was uh, for Pearl Jam at the Vic. Uh, oh right, I forgot you yeah. went to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah what was that like? Oh uh, six or oh seven or something? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You're right. I mean, to get that step up on a rail, so you're just like you know you aren't breathing down anybody's neck is perfect. Yeah, nobody's blocking your view. Like yeah. it's just it's great. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. as good as it gets. Yeah, is yeah. that the uh, was that the High Grass Dogs tour that they made a DVD for where he played the Fillmore? I think. I don't know. I don't know if that's the same tour or not. Okay. I know they broadcast the show I went to on XRT. I've got I've got the oh, cool. I've, I've got a bootleg of it. Nice. Um, yeah. So. Nice. Very nice. Very nice. Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's a choice one. Yeah. Next on uh, my list, I'm going to talk a little bit about um, something that all three of us grew up with, and that was. Springfield, Illinois minor league baseball. <laughs> uh, uh, but which the, team? 
So, yeah, we'll, we'll run down a little history. I remember, obviously, first going to Springfield Cardinal games when when they were actually a Cardinals affiliate. And um, then after that, I want to say, I don't I don't know the timeline, but I remember we had the Springfield Sultans for a while. Do you remember them? Mm-hmm. Then we had the Springfield Capitals for a while after that. Sultans were the last big league affiliate. Yeah. The, Cap- the Capitals were like an independent league, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then now we have the Springfield Sliders. But, um, right. yeah, man, it's still really fun. If you get a chance to, like, whenever you're in town, if you guys come back to town during the summer, it's still a really good time. And it's super cheap, and it's, like, kid-friendly. And um, it's just, I don't know, it, there's just something to be said about the quaintness of minor league baseball or, or, or you know, non-pro baseball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I remember seeing more Sultans games than Cardinals games. Um, I guess that kind of hit my hit my uh, my prime age a little bit easier. Um, uh, and oddly enough, I, I stumbled upon... Spring, a brand new Springfield Sultans hat online that they started reproducing out of the blue. Uh, I'll have to dig up the website, but uh, um, yeah, and some big leaguers did go through that stadium. I, I forget exactly who right now, but oh yeah, Todd I mean, Zeal. I, yeah, yeah, Todd, and I, Todd, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, sorry, Todd Zeal. And then I was going to say, I know Albert Pujols when he was a Peoria Chief, I think came down and played against the Springfield team then. No kidding. Because at one oh. time, the Peoria Chiefs weren't Cubs affiliates. They were Cardinals affiliates. <laughs> and that's another interesting thing about minor yeah. league baseball, about how they can just, like, switch it around. You know it's always I mean? confused me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. A, you know, you live in the town where the minor league team plays, you're like, well, shit, I guess we're – you know, I guess we're Twins fans now. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's so strange. And is that Robin Roberts Stadium, Lamphere yeah, Park, or yeah. Robin Roberts Field? Robin Roberts Field. So yeah. Robin Roberts, who pitched for Lamphere, or yeah, uh, but also the pitched. Phillies, right? I, I know. Yeah, in the majors, he was big on the Phillies, and um, I want to say he did play at Lamphere. Yeah, because that's I where Lamphere High School. The high school team plays, right? Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, Do you guys have any memories? Do you remember going to any games? Yeah. I saw the famous chicken there. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. What was the dude's Max Pacton? I didn't see Max Pacton. Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I only went to a couple games, you know? Like, I, uh, I went to maybe maybe two or three Cardinals games, and that's it. So I, I, I don't have – I don't think I ever went to a Sultans game. So I, I, I don't have a lot to offer. Um, I remember Dimitri Young was playing uh, when I went to see them. It would have been the near the Cardinals, the end of their time in Springfield. They're like the only games I remember like vividly going mm-hmm. to. Yeah. Yeah. The team now is not minor league affiliated, but it is like a. It's considered like a collegiate league. It, it's a summer collegiate wooden bat league. Is oh okay. That's it is. <clears throat> so like basically, college kids from all over the country kind of get picked to put be put on these teams in all these random towns. Right. And then they come stay, and you know, there's host families that host them for the summer. Yeah. On a similar note, um, and actually, it's kind of the cream of the crop for it. I have I have seen a few Cape Cod League games when I vacationed, nice. oh, yeah. which is yeah. awesome. Yeah, and that's because that's pretty much like what Levi's described. That the Cape Cod one's probably like the the most elite one, like in terms of just I don't know why that's the case, but mm-hmm. you know, like some some of the best college players in the country are are there every summer. Yeah. Uh, I always have intentions of going to uh, like the University of Can or KU uh, baseball games, or even just some some high school baseball games. But I, I never follow through on it. Right. I, and and along the lines of what you're describing, Levi, I mean, it would be 
a good time. I mean, it's just bleacher seats and, you know, yeah, and I get mean, in for a the, few bucks. The, and Everything is really affordable in Springfield, at least. Like, all the concessions and they even sell, um, you could buy jerseys. Like, like game-worn jerseys, and they're only like wow. $50, $60. Nice, nice. <laughs> there is a uh, a new Chicago team, uh, relatively, I think this is, this will maybe be like their second or third year, uh, called the Chicago Dogs. They've got like a new nice stadium out by Rosemont. Uh, it's, it's a, I haven't been there yet, but it's a really good-looking stadium. Yeah. So, independent league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we, we should all uh, make an effort this yes. uh, uh, next next spring to uh, get out and, and visit our non-MLB teams. <laughs> Definitely. All right. Uh, so I'm going to switch uh, over to music now. And uh, uh, my, one of my favorite things is a thing that is no longer. And uh, uh, it was the RDO streaming music service. Mm-hmm. And it was it was the first streaming music service I ever signed up for, and it was it's a by it represented a bygone era of streaming music done right. Uh, it was uh, one of the reasons I favored it over the then industry leader of Spotify was because it was easy to create a true album catalog, and at the time Spotify wouldn't even let you add an album uh, to uh, as a whole. You would just have to create these playlists. Uh, mm-hmm. That where you would, yeah, bullshit. Le- Levi's like, this is why I don't. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is just cementing Levi's case right here. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but it, with with RDO, you could you could go down. It was also easier than it's. And by the way, I it's been dead for what three years at least, and I still consider it way better than any option out there and, and i've i yeah. currently have apple music i used to have um i used to have spotify and i'm familiar with google play a bit uh gave that i know you use that and rdo yeah. is still like wow if only someday these companies could realize what this what rdo did then they would achieve something quite great in yeah. streaming music and because it let you go down this like related artist rabbit hole mm-hmm. and you could uh, and that's not nearly as easy with 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 Apple Music. It's it's uh, you know, hey, here's some artists you might like. Hey, we we saw you, uh, 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 you know, you 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 listen to uh, the Black Crows. Well, let us tell you about the Black Crows deep cuts. Oh, really? Yeah, please tell right. me tell me more. Uh, <laughs> please educate me. And but with audio, it was it was really simple. I mean, you would be listening to an artist, and you would just see related artists and you would click on their name and you would see their catalog and it was as right. simple as two clicks to start playing a related artist and also uh, very uniquely at the time and spotify does this now is that you could just watch what your friends were listening to and your friends would see what you're listening to and and it's not like a status thing it's just it's kind of a community thing to mm-hmm. you know to see that and and like be kind of comforted to log in at eight in the morning and and gabe i could see what you were listening to at work yeah, or whatever absolutely. and and uh, you know, it's like even though you wouldn't talk to these people on a re- on a real regular basis, you still got kind of an idea of of, of their frame of mind. And yeah. um, Gabe, if, if you were going on a big King Diamond kick, I might be you know a little <laughs> concerned at times. But <laughs> right. <laughs> and and but most importantly, it made it really e- audio made it really easy to find brand new music. Because uh, you could just endlessly scroll uh, by release date, and major label releases were right alongside indie and self-release music, and a grid. It was just this never-ending grid of all these albums that were released on uh, that on you know whatever it was at the time. It was New Music Tuesday, and uh, and it was uh, you could judge albums by their cover and just. You could you could test drive you know a, a dozen different albums so easily, and now Apple Music is, you know, if you go oh go check out the new music, and it's like, you know the the Taylor Swift album that was released two months ago, and it's like really this is this is what you're showing me here, right? Um, and uh, so Ardio was very democratizing with all of that, and uh, as a result, I I never had an era 
uh, of listening to music where I found more new music than I did in those few yeah. years that I was subscribed to RDO. And, 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 and I would, I would wager to guess that it was in the history of music. It was probably, uh, it, 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 it enabled more music to be easily found than, than any other medium in the history of music. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it, it, it God, it was short, but it was such a sweet run. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was really good. It, um, it, it kind of like turned me on. That's kind of when I started getting into, and I still am, uh, some of the more kind of chill ambient electronic music, you know, there was just some people with like some really good taste out there, you know, that like I followed that um, that were really into that genre, and uh, it stuck with me. So that's kind of like the piece of RDO I carry with me. Um, but yeah, it was it was really uh, it was really well well tailored to to your interests, but also um, also it it opened you up to discovery too. Yeah, because couldn't you if 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 you were listening to an album, you could see who else had that album say in yeah, their collection right, if it was public right, yeah, yeah they yeah. they would volunteer it to be public yeah and then yeah you could go down a rabbit hole of of other listeners to find somebody with uh similar tastes that you wanted to uh, understand better yeah. yeah yeah you could see it was kind of like seeing everybody you know when you go over to your friend's place or if it was like you know, somebody you first started dating, you know, you'd want to look at their music collection. Yeah, you know? yeah. or the friend of right. a friend, you know. It was, yeah, uh, it's like, right. oh, this is alien territory. Yeah, right, right. And you're like, you'd see the collection, they'd be like, oh, this guy's got to be all right, you know. I mean, look at this. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it was it was a good sight, man. Yeah, yeah. Those were the days. I yeah. still have a little piece of RDO with me. It's one of my Roku's has the RDO button on the remote. Oh, no and kidding. What's great That's is funny. if you still hit it, it like tries to pull it up, and it's like RDO doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, the app was on my phone um, for a while, like after the site shut down. It always brought a little bit of a tear to my eye. <laughs> right? Yeah. Just couldn't delete her. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I still remember like the final days, and, and just. I I I I, t- I had to take efforts I think to output my um not not the collection of music but the, just the list like an Excel file of what I had in there so that I could reference it and go add it to you know my next streaming service. Same here. Yeah. Twenty first century problems. Yeah. Right. Levi's like just buy a fucking record. All right. Throw <laughs> <laughs> a goddamn record on. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, I remember whose turn. Who goes after uh, Gabe? Oh, it's my turn. Yep. Um, well, you know the next one. This man is an institution. Uh, Eddie Trunk. You know, I, I love the guy. Um, I like the fact that there's somebody out there that's like, hey, you know, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna talk about White Lion. You know, <laughs> right? Um, so, so who is Eddie Trunk? Oh, sorry. For Eddie, for those, Eddie, yeah, for those for those not in the know, um, Eddie Trunk is um, a radio host. Uh, you see, he was he started out as a record executive. Uh, he was with was Megaforce it? Records, I believe, in the eighties when he was really young. Like, yeah, like he signed he signed Ace Freely, uh, Freely's Comet. Yeah, um, yeah, he was on Megaforce um, in the eighties, and then since then, he's really just he's been on radio. And then he was on a great show that was on VH1 Classic for a number of years called um, uh, That Metal Show with uh, Don Jameson and I forgot the Jim Florentine, a couple comedians. That was a good show. Yeah, it was a great show. Um, and that's kind of like what got me into him. I always knew who he was. I had heard the name. Um, but And he's got another show now called Trunk Nation on Axis, but I, I have to admit I haven't watched it. But, um, you know, I listen to his podcast and uh, he's got a serious show. He's got a daily show. He's just he's really he's carved it. He's made such a cool career out of hard rock and heavy metal. Um, and there's really very few people that can do that, you know, um, where they could stick to that. Like, I think Ricky Rackman, like, covers NASCAR now. You know, that's like the closest thing. Um, so, yeah. So it's um, I'm, I'm just uh, I've. I've, tr- I've tried to get him on the show. He fortunately was kind enough to reply to my emails and said, you know, he would like to, but he just can't right now. Uh, so someday we're going to have Eddie on this podcast. 
Mark my words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. If I, if I met him, I, I probably want to talk to him for, for 12 hours, you know? So, uh, yeah. So yeah, he's just, he's a, he's a fountain of knowledge. Um, and I think that, you know, he, um, he, he talks about a lot of artists that are like kind of maligned, you know, as well, you know, like a lot of the quote unquote hair metal stuff. Like he, he gives it its due, you know, and like, and reinforces that it's fun and that it's, um, you know, good is good. So mm-hmm. I saw an interview. I saw an interview once where DJ Quick, who's one of my favorite hip hop artists and artists, really, he was talking about how he like loved Duran Duran. You know, like, and he's like, good is good. You know, right on. so right on. Um, yeah, <laughs> and so uh, and I love me some Quick. So Eddie Trunk's got the same thing. Yeah, good is good. It doesn't matter if it's it doesn't always have to be smart. It doesn't always have to be um, you know your taste polished. even. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If if anybody hasn't seen that metal show, I recommend it because you know I I appreciate metal, but I don't listen to it on a regular basis. And uh, but just to watch it, you can get absorbed by it, and just by their love and their knowledge and their appreciation of it, and and their you know these uh, uh, discussions, these roundtable discussions that they would have, and they you know their guests and and the audience's appreciation and. And it's it's hard not to get wrapped up in it, even though you might not have any idea who it is they're talking about, right? And uh, or never listen to their music. And that there's a lot to be said for that. That you can do that with a subject and uh, and 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 really uh, uh, hook people uh, with it, even even though they they aren't familiar. Yeah. yeah. So, Eddie Truck, Ooh, keep stuff. doing what you're doing, buddy. Then come on the show. Yes, well, yes. Uh, <laughs> next up on my list is kind of a weirdly unique item, but um, it's one that every time I would get one, I it would, I don't know, it would just flood my senses. And that's any time back in the day when you would freshly open a new cassette or a CD, the smell that they like gave. <laughs> and I don't know. Yeah. But like, yeah. like it just takes me back to like birthdays and Christmases and like new album release days and like I don't know. And that smell stuck around too, man. You it know, did, like yeah. the smell of the cassettes. Yeah, I can remember how, and they smell different a little bit. Like, like my Pink Floyd "Momentary Lapse of Reason" cassette smelled <laughs> different than my White Snake cassette. Yeah, you yeah, know, it was like and the different di- companies, probably the different chemical makeup. It, it smelled all. different than hysteria. Hysteria had a distinct smell to it. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean, dude. I was just thinking about that the other day. Yeah, God. <laughs> so, are we just plain weirdos, Jonathan, or do you? <laughs> uh, you know, I I I get what you're talking about. I, it doesn't quite stick in my brain. Uh, uh, like it has for you. Did you have a uh, a special uh, uh, tool to open your cassettes or your CDs? No, typically uh, it was probably like scissors. Yeah, like, right. trying to like get the along the edge of the cassette tape, trying to like get the yeah, seal. right. Do you remember uh, in, for a while there, up until probably like '93 or so, they would put not just the cellophane, or no, this is probably when they still used the long boxes. Um, that they would they would put the um, that that like it was like almost like a tiny nasal strip of of uh, a silver sticker around just one edge. Oh yeah, and that thing yeah. was impenetrable. Like you, <laughs> right. this was before goo gone, and it was impossible to get the goo off of this thing. It was oh, yeah. like a, a special security sticker that they would put around I one edge. It was just yeah. like a uh, maybe like a centimeter thick. Um, and then they stopped doing that. I think after right. they just started using cellophane around the whole thing. Yeah, they they always. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't really buy CDs anymore. But remember, they always seem to have that top sticker that would have the name printed on it. That, like that the too. Yeah, they switched the to album. that. Oh, right. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll never forget, though, I was in a record store in Denver, Colorado in around 2001. And I saw a guy do a trick that I'd never seen before. 
and it was um, it was a CD that didn't have the cellophane on, but it still had the st- that sticker across the entire top of the CD. And he would he lifted up the hinge on the bottom left, and he just flipped it open, open, yeah, yeah, <laughs> to take the CD in and out. So it was like the store sample, so they could keep it sealed, yeah. and yeah. Uh, and then. Uh, after I saw that, I was like, "Oh, that's how I'm going to open my CDs from now on. I'm just gonna I'm gonna flip it open from the hinge, and then I'll. It's so much easier to peel off that sticker. Sticker. You yeah. learned that trick because I remember your shit always looked a lot better than mine. You know, <laughs> right? So the remnants of like, stickers right, on must, the cases like, and shit. Gets must know something. I don't know. It's like, I, there was a guy in Denver. He, he right. showed me the way. Right. <laughs> it was a it was a John Hammond CD, um, uh, called Southern Fried. Uh, yes. That that I that I saw it on nearly twenty years ago. I'll never forget. Obviously, <laughs> kids nowadays are like, "What the hell are you talking about? Opening a CD? Like, what? <laughs> this is this is the shit we love, man." <laughs> but yeah, the smell of them. Um... They did. They had like a distinct smell, and it would be like I, I, the only thing I could think of is like the different pressing plants and companies. Would have different formulas for all the different plastics and stuff, yeah. and yeah, you would just get them and be like, ah, I don't know. Oh yeah, it's um. Right cool. Let's let's do one more tonight, guys, and then um, we'll we'll take her home after sure, that. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. We're just about out an hour now, um, so uh, I will. Uh, my my next one is uh, a concert uh, I saw uh, back in. Oh gosh, I, now I'm forgetting the year. Gabe, it was with you, and it was a concert uh, uh, at Pitchfork Festival, and uh, it was uh, uh, we, we went to Pitchfork Festival, correct? Right, and this right, was probably yeah. around '07. Uh, it was a little uh, later than maybe that. 2011, right? maybe like yeah, 2011, right around yeah. there. Phosphorescent. We we walked oh, yeah. into pitch, pit, into Pitchfork, and Phosphorescent was the next band up on stage, and up to that point. I, I was only familiar with Phosphorescence most recent album. I had, I had been listening to it, you know, a bit off and on in the month, maybe leading up to the, uh, to the show. And, uh, uh, and it was, it was just like a perfect summer day in the city. You know, we were in Chicago. It was, it was fairly hot and very sunny. And, yeah. and we, uh, we kind of parked ourselves next to the, uh, the, 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 the soundboard and, um, uh, and, uh, it was, it was right. The phosphorescent set was right in the middle of the afternoon, obviously just after we walked in and, uh, you know, when I, I can still hear it echoing, uh, the, just the sound from that day and, uh, uh, uh kind of being there and, and just sweating a little bit and, uh, you know, and, and smelling it, you know, and as a result, uh, listening to that album, and I, you know, afterwards I listened to that album quite a bit. Um, it just kind of it transports you, uh, you back to that moment and and a, and a really nice summer afternoon where you know at the time you're you're hot and you're kind of uncomfortable, but you know that it, you know you're, you're seeing good music, you're going to see more good music, and so you're in a pretty good mood regardless. And uh, it's it's just one of those moments where where all of the senses kind of collect. And uh, they don't soon let go of a moment like that, and uh, f- feel fortunate to to experience it and uh, to be able to cue up that album again and uh, revisit it and kind of transport yourself back uh, to that time and place. Uh, so yeah, phosphorescent live at Pitchfork. Very nice. Cool. Yeah, it was a good time. Glad you enjoyed your stay here in Chicago, Jonathan. <laughs> Thank you. Gave, gave the city us. a ringing endorsement there. <laughs> Thank so. you for having us. Right. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Uh, Levi, go ahead, right? Okay. Um, yeah. Well, it, it would be you, Levi. I think uh, technically it's you, but I, it doesn't matter. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, I was going to talk about... Uh, dang it, where did it go on my list? An item that, you know, this would have been probably like 1988, 87, 88. And at this point, you know, I'm six, seven years old and I didn't know it, but I was actually Buster Rhymes at the time. I was 
Tops was like, Levi, here's the cards. I'm like, give me some more. They're like, Levi, here's like sticker collectible books with like sticker albums. I'm like, give me some more. <laughs> They're like, okay. And they dusted off these things that they used to make in the mid and late 60s called Tops Baseball Coins. And you would get them in a little pack, um, not necessarily a wax pack, but like a little sealed pack. And they would be like kind of like baseball cards, but they were like little metal coins with mm-hmm. like a little curled up lip around the edge. And the back would have a little bit of stats or would say something, and it, the front would have their picture and their name. But it was like, you know, how hard up was I as a kid that I couldn't get enough baseball that I'm like, the cards aren't enough, the sticker albums aren't enough, I needed some other little baseball tchotchke. <laughs> so give me some tops baseball coins. <laughs> Do you guys remember them at all? Did you looking have at them? You, you provided this link in the Google Doc, and, and it helps uh, rekindle the memory of them. Uh, yeah, I did have some of these. Um, this was so three coins in every pack. Do you remember how much they cost? No, I remember. I think they were a little bit more than actual baseball cards, but I can't. I, really? I, I'm not positive. Mm-hmm. I know the ones I had were like 87, 88, because I distinctly remember like Conseco and like Alan Trammell. Um, they have I, Dale I, Murphy, Jack Morris, and Tim Wallach on the box. <laughs> right. <laughs> there you go. Some studs. Yeah. Um, yeah, this you, is something that probably didn't stick around that long, right? No, they weren't. They weren't really super popular i think they only made them for a few years once they like reintroduced them because you can find on ebay like the ones from well i mean you can find them all the ones they made but like some of the ones from the 60s are a little bit collectible like you know with like hank aaron and stuff on them yeah yeah nice yeah i'll um gosh you know this is something that uh, my last one here, it's not something I've witnessed a lot, but it's a trend that I'm totally for. It seems like about 10 or 15 years ago, a lot of older bands celebrated the anniversary of albums by playing them in their entirety, right? And I think this is a good way to break kind of the mold of the very static kind of standard hits set list. Um, obviously, you can still satisfy the fans that come to hear those songs. I mean, they still have time to play those songs. But I like the fact that that some bands are doing this. Um, I assume they maybe enjoy it a little more, too, because maybe musically it's a little bit challenging because they're songs that they have to dust off that they've never played live or that they've, they haven't played in a number of years. So it's, it's definitely a trend that um, I, I, I support. Um, I've only seen it... I saw Kiss do a live in its entirety, um, which was good. But they, they, a lot of those songs were kind of already in the, the repertoire anyway. But um, like for instance, like I missed it. But like Aerosmith did "Toys in the Attic" in its entirety a few years ago, right? Like maybe ten years ago. And I really that. regret not seeing that. Because yeah. um, if I were to see Aerosmith today, I would enjoy it. I'm sure, and I still kind of do want to check them off the list. But I, um, you know, I don't want to hear like songs from the Armageddon soundtrack and get a grip, you know. Um, so, yeah, it would that would have been cool. So and, you know, I was just at Riot Fest and Wu-Tang did 36 Chambers. Uh, the Flaming Lips did Yoshimi in its entirety. Um, so I'm I'm all for it. I think it's a good it's a good thing to do. I'm trying to think if I've seen anyone that has done that. I'll have to. Jonathan, can do you have you seen anyone do a whole album? I don't think so. I one of the ones I kick myself over not seeing was 
when Pearl Jam unannounced did no code in its entirety in the Quad Cities, right? Yeah, they yeah. Just, they just Moline, sprung into yeah. it. Yeah, so it wasn't out of the question that I could have gone. And then they did Yield in Milwaukee. Yeah, man. See, that's that, the best. That's oh, as good as it gets, because those oh are unannounced, Stephen. Yeah, you know? and, and you imagine being there and like, okay, first song, hey, cool, right on, sometimes. And then the second song, like, oh, okay, hell yeah. And then the third song, Who You Are, and you're like, whoa, shit, they're doing it. And, and to have that just overcome you, I, I think would be very intense and, and kind of puts it on a different plane than these tours that Gabe, you're kind of describing more of these yeah, tours that right. are centered around like the 20th anniversary of some sure. record. Sure. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, there is a lot of that going on, isn't there? Yeah. So yeah, I, I, and I welcome it, you know, I think it's a, it's, it's a good way for, for older bands to, um, um, I don't know to be a little more adventurous, you know. I did. I, I did see one band. Sorry, Levi. Uh, I no, saw no, Fu Manchu fine. do the action as go in its entirety. Twentieth oh, um, anniversary at yeah. the record bar. Yeah, and, and I picked up the the dual colored vinyl. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So that I think that's the only one. Okay, sorry, there's Levi. been a lot that I missed. I mean, last year Gomez came through town and did Bring It On in its entirety. Yeah, yeah, yeah that would have been I really good. It. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, uh, I regret not hitting up a few of them. Um, but yeah, so good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, want to thank everybody for sitting in. Um, I think we got around maybe like 10 or 12 and we did pretty good on this one. Yeah. 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 A little more economical tonight. Um, so, so yeah, uh, want to remind everybody you can follow us on Instagram and the Twitter at rock in chew. That's in as in no code that Pearl Jam played uh, in Moline of all places. Um, I like the fact that they, they, you know, they went to a really small market, you know, I mean, yeah, you know, that's, uh, although at the same time, I felt kind of bad for all the fans who had never seen them before. And they're like, you know, they just want to hear, you know, like black and even flow, et cetera. And then they play this probably like the least popular album from the repertoire in its entire. I, I, I don't feel bad for any of those people. No. But, um, yeah, I shouldn't say I feel bad. I just, you know, yeah. Um, yeah, no, they, they expand their palettes. Um, but but yeah, so th- uh, check us out on Twitter and Instagram. Also, uh, like us on Facebook. You can also find every Rock and Roll Shinsu Chu episode at rockchu.com. You can listen to us on YouTube or any of your favorite podcast apps. So yeah, check us out and leave us a review. Tell your friends. And until next time. Uh, We'll see everybody, and we can finish up this list. Take care. Peace.